Manchester United uh, leaving it very late, but Romelu Lukaku did get to have his moment in the sun, took a direct free kick, which Everton fans all jeered when it hit the wall, then scored and was like, <laughs> eat my goal. Yeah. Uh, are we are we going to talk about Everton first? I mean, <laughs> well, it's just happened. It's it just bizarre, sensible. really. I mean, United played very well in the first half. You know, nice intensity. Yeah. Really should have had another three goals. I think you know, four nil at half time wouldn't have been too flattering, really, given the amount of chances. Uh, played like absolute dog turd in the second half. Got all conservative and scared. A bit like a performance from last year or perhaps even the year before. And somehow managed to score three goals in the second half. And, um, you know, one was absolutely gifted by Everton. Uh, Lukaku's goal was uh, outrageous fortune twice. Um, and then uh, the penalty, which was ridiculous because Schneiderlin fell on the ball. But uh, there you go. That's the kind of magic Mourinho brings, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I was super mad at Mourinho just before those three goals. I was like, Mourinho, bring it on Lingard and Herrera when the game needed an injection of attacking intensity. Um, but uh, in the end, it turns out, once again, Jose Mourinho is better at managing football teams. Either that or just got lucky. Yeah, well, it might have been PlayStation football. You know that when you tap all the buttons at once and the player falls out, well, this is PlayStation <laughs> 1997 edition. <laughs> tap all the buttons at once and they're flying all over the place. That's, that's the kind of thing that was happening. Uh, you know, I, look, United didn't deserve to win 4-0 on the basis of that second-half performance. Um, but the goals came and that's what that's what's been happening this season. It's remarkable how often United are scoring a lot of goals late in games. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I'm, I'm currently looking for a tweet because I'm trying to find out who sent me the tweet that says, I see United are still much better with Rooney off the pitch because it was after he left that... Um that all the goals started flying in. He had a, a quiet game. I mean, a couple of nice touches. One round the corner uh, and uh, and um, sort of one-two, wasn't it? Wall pass that he nearly turned into a chance. A couple of other nice flicks. And most of the time, he, he was playing at number nine. He was drifting really deep, which Everton had no centre forward at all. Uh, which wasn't really helping them much. I mean, I was, I was just doing doing the tweet for banter, but I, we've used this now as a genuine excuse to slightly bash Rooney's performance for no reason whatsoever. It's just what we do. It's what we do. Yeah, I mean, um, look but, um, at the other end. Lukaku actually didn't have a great game. It was, it was. I, I thought actually most of United's forwards were a little bit off. Mkhitaryan, I thought was lucky to stay on, mm-hmm. um, and uh, because he didn't have a great game. Wan Mata struggled to have any kind of influence and, and Rashford was unusually quiet. A couple of runs but not an awful lot there and it all seemed to break down about 40 yards from goal a lot of the time. I mean, until those three goals came right at the end, United hadn't had a shot on target in the second half. I mean, unbelievable really but um, uh, yeah, there you go. It's slightly dysfunctional uh, from a number of United players. So, you know, not not just bashing Rooney for the sake of it, although, you know, why not? Yeah, that tweet originally came from at Central MUFC. It was a good, good tweet. Um, the I, I completely agree about United's attacking players. At the end of half-time, at half-time, I was sort of a bit frustrated with the response on Twitter. I mean, that's a silly thing to be frustrated about, but there's so much really intense criticism of, like, Rashford and Mkhitaryan in particular. And I was thinking... You know they're they're both 
players who need to be able to make mistakes and they need to have quiet they need to be able to have quiet periods in games it's the nature of being an attacking player and you know in the end Mkhitaryan scored and and sort of began the route really um was it that was yeah that was United second it all happened so fast it's hard to remember and even yeah. like you're right Lukaku uh there was the, the chance that he missed but he did very well to create to kind of uh, open the chance up for himself um, and then there was the one where he kind of ch- this chest control went a bit wrong and it bounced up too high that that was a, a dodgy moment but his pass to Mkhitaryan was absolutely lovely and and you know the the kind of interplay we didn't necessarily know we were going to get from Lukaku but the kind that he's done quite a lot of so far this season is very nice to see. Yeah I mean that, that second goal was um, stroke of real fortune uh, Ashley Williams playing the ball into yeah. Fellaini's shins. I, I'm assuming Fellaini was trying to control it as it bounced five yards off his shins. <laughs> he was all right, come on. <laughs> no, he, he did all right. I mean, you know, I, I was having a moan before the game because um, not not about Fellaini per se, but uh, about Paul Pogba being out because it really does affect United's fluency. And, and um, you know, right during the first half, Fellaini was fine. He, he provided a platform with Matic and, and, you know, United tried to move the ball at pace some intensity the second half it was just it just felt like um all too many of those players in midfield were just sitting back and letting Everton uh you know come into the game and Flaney was one of those I suppose you know he was he was pretty good in against Basel in midweek so you know we'll, we'll come on to praising him as well I suppose yeah and, and you kind of think that's what earned him the place in the starting 11 I mean we're inherently jumping around here a bit but that's what always happens when we we miss a podcast to go back to the Basel game, uh, the Basel game, he really was excellent um, as a replacement for Pogba. Like he, it's this thing that he has in him. I think we've talked about this many times on the podcast. It's the kind of the one in ten factor with Fellaini, where every now and again it just all clicks, and he finds a, a big level of confidence, and everything he tries comes off, and he just looks like an excellent player. Um, and it tends to then dissipate fairly quickly because that is not his overall consistent level. But it's great that he found that level when it was needed against Basel. But obviously the big talking point for that game, the 3-0 win was was nice and, and everyone went home from Old Trafford feeling good about that one, if uh, perhaps a bit concerned about the complete lack of atmosphere uh, in that game, taking lack of atmosphere to a whole new level. Um, but Pogba's injury, uh, which we now are hearing... We're recording this after the Everton game on Sunday. Uh, talk of 12 weeks for Pogba. That That is really seriously bad news. Yeah. that I mean, that's not, not what Mourinho said in public, although uh, the report's behind the scenes, apparently. In public, he said a few matches. Uh, 12, 12 weeks was, was just a very serious hamstring tear, um, which isn't exactly what it looked like at the time, did it? You know, he, he went off, but it's not like he was on a stretcher and... Uh, couldn't move at all, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, it's uh, you know, it's a huge blow for United. Uh, he's going if, if it is twelve me- weeks, he's going to miss pretty much the whole of the Champions League campaign and games against all the top clubs. Yeah. Which you know, it really does put a dampener on the excitement that has been surrounding the start of our season. Um, although I guess some of that dampener had already been applied. <laughs> At Stoke uh, earlier, where United were distinctly average 
So that was the game immediately after the international break. And I have to say, um, when I saw the team sheet, I was immediately nervous. Uh, not that it was a terrible selection or they were very bad players picked, but there was a certain statement, kind of reverse statement of intent from Mourinho, which was something of a worry. For the first time this season, he moved away from the 4-2-3-1 uh, to a 4-3-3 with Herrera, Pogba and Matic, the kind of midfield that we all wanted at the start of the season. Um, but it felt like kind of a regressive step, especially when it was combined with dropping Blint and playing Damian on the left flank, which is a obviously a very defensive-minded move. Um, and it, it seemed like he was affording a degree of respect to Stoke, which they didn't necessarily deserve. Now, you could say that Stoke's performance sort of validated that decision because they were pretty good, particularly in the second half. But it almost felt like, actually, I would like to have seen us just put that 4-2-3-1 on the pitch and just put the throttle down and try and batter them because I, I think we could have done. Yeah. I mean, I, d I don't know how much of it was the system per se. I mean, no natural number 10 in there, so no real focal point in midfield. Although Pogba had a fine game, um, I thought, uh, in, in midfield. I mean... Really? Right. I mean, I'll defend Pogba to the hilt, but I thought he was pretty garbage in that game, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, it, he... he uh, he got forward, he, he was decent with his passing, got an assist, um, you know, something anyway. Um, I mean, look, uh, United would have won that game if it wasn't for individual errors, though. So um, both yeah. Jones and Bay at fault for the first goal and Jones very much at fault for the second. So it's, you know, it, it's not what we've had from them this season, though, is it? Those two have been pretty good. It uh, looked like a nice pairing um, when they've played. Uh, which which wasn't in the European game, and I guess it won't be in the next European game. I can't remember exactly how many games they're banned for, but, um, uh, you know, it's uh, definitely not the best defensive performance from United. Uh, generally pretty frustrating. Yeah. Um, yes, no, you're absolutely right. And and United had, you know, dominated the, the lion's share of possession. Munoz afterwards thrown his toys out of the pram, saying there's only one team trying to win it and all this kind of stuff. But... I don't know. That, you're right, it wasn't the system. And, and my long rambling point about the system wasn't even really a criticism of the system. It was just to say that, honestly, when I saw the team sheet, I had a little bit of a kind of... I had kind of a bad feeling about this game anyway, and that definitely didn't help. Um, I mean, it makes sense because Stoke were playing three at the back and it was a, a way of kind of going man for man with the front three um, and potentially over overrunning the the centre of midfield too. Um but it just didn't it didn't work, you know. The, like even though United had the lion's share of possession, there was a kind of there was a flakiness to their overall performance. I thought there were a number of really poor individual performances. And the Herrera who I loved to the ends of the earth, I thought was like terrible in that game. Just just looked like a player who hasn't had nearly enough football and needs needs his, you know, his well, he's barely had any football this season. Yeah. So after having such a spectacular uh, season last season, clearly Mourinho's decided he's deputy to Matic, who uh, has a very good injury record. So Herrera's not going to get a lot of football this season, it seems. Well, we'll see. Things change, of course. You know, they changed a lot for Herrera last season, who didn't start the campaign in the side either. No. Um, so, yeah, look, that, that was pretty disappointing, Stoke, and felt like a loss of momentum, uh, I guess, you know, given that United started the season so strongly. 
Um, and uh, especially with City now winning games by miles and miles, um, it, it was two uh, very large dropped points made up somewhat, I suppose, in the midweek uh, thrashing of Basel, who were, you know, really don't look like the Basel of old. Not that they were ever that good, but, you know, they've had a couple of seasons when they've been half decent. Um, I wonder whether United will walk this group. So, it's, you know, it certainly seems that it's not going to be that higher quality. I know the other result was weird, wasn't it? I can't even remember what the other result was, but I remember seeing it and thinking, oh, that's not the result I would have expected it to be. A dishonourable mention for Antonio Valencia's performance against Stoke as well. Um, the six attempted crosses, none of which found a man. He looked, by the end of the game, he really looked like he just did not want the ball anymore. Uh, and it was lovely to mm. see him uh, restore his confidence in the most emphatic possible fashion at the beginning of the Everton game. And I, I thought that was that that actually told in, in some of his performance against Everton. He, he looked a lot more confident than he had done by the end of the Stoke game, which is good news because when teams sit back, so much of our play ends up flowing out to the wings. Uh, which against Basel resulted in in the goals because uh, Ashley Young's performance to assist, pound to assist ratio, uh, took a hit in favour of the assists as he got one uh, against Basel from a right back position. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, someone asked me to do the recalculation. Uh, it's going to take a while. I'd have to work out all these wages over time. It's still it's still not great value for money. Got to say, it's not. And then, um, no, he did. Fellaini got a goal. Fellaini got an assist as well. Rashford um, on first on, on first sight of Rashford's goal, you think, "Wow, that's a that's a super yeah. hit first time." But he bats it into <laughs> the ground. Um, but a goal's a goal, yeah. isn't it? You know. And actually, United create a lot of chances in that yeah. game, um, and you know, and had a ton of possession, and were basically very good value for their win. Um, and, uh, CSK Moscow winning at Benfica has put the cat amongst pigeons a little bit because they don't win on the road mm. generally. Um, and, you know, I guess everyone expects Benfica to be fairly strong at home. Um, I, I do wonder whether United will find this group pretty easy. Although, you know, we've got a not, not a great record in Europe over the last few years. Europa League win <laughs> yeah. last season aside. Uh, lovely, lovely moment when Romelu Lukaku scored his Champions League um, on his Champions League debut and he just looked like... I don't know. He just looked like a man who had fulfilled a lifelong dream, basically. Well, scoring a goal in the Champions talking League. Talking of scoring on debuts, Rashford scored Champions League debut, scored on his Europa League debut, scored on his Premier League debut, scored on his England under 21 debut, <laughs> yeah. scored on his England debut. Is there any, any competition he doesn't score on his debut in? Yes, he did not score in his debut. He scored in his debut in the League Cup. He did not score in his debut in the FA Cup, but that game was a draw and he did score in the replay. So kind of even that almost counts. Um, people were saying they were sad that there's no more no more debuts for him to come, but there's loads. There's his first Champions League start because he came on as a sub in that game. There's uh, his first World Cup game. There's the, his first Club World Cup game. There's, there's a lot to come for the young man. <laughs> Stretching a bit. There's his first La Liga game after his inevitable <laughs> transfer to Real Madrid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he didn't do his uh, his attempt to get a move to Real Madrid too many favours with his performance against Everton. Um, but he's so young and he has to be allowed to have bad games. He just has to. It's, it's you know, that's why Mourinho doesn't like young players, isn't it? Because they sometimes have bad games. And, like, I mean, of course, grown-up players do too. But, you know, it, it, he... 
He looked like he was trying really hard. He does this thing when when the game's not going for him. He goes to ground way too often and too quickly um, because I think I think maybe it's a kind of subtle confidence thing where he just he wants to earn a free kick rather than have to do something brilliant himself. Yeah, true. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, not a great game from Rashford. And obviously, Martial was going to come on and score. Obviously, um, uh, Mourinho you know, making making Martial take the penalty, which was kind of interesting. Um, I guess uh, is that a confidence thing? I mean, is he going to feel more confident? He's got a penalty. I'm not sure. Um, maybe. I mean, Lukaku's missed like all of his penalties of the last seven. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, it may be. I mean, like that might not be a pro Martial thing. That might just be a if we score this goal, we go second in the league on alphabetical order and joint top on everything else. Yeah, so how does this work out? So, um, so it's, uh, it's the same okay. goal difference, the same goal scored and the same conceded. So, And there's been no head-to-head. No. I don't even... Is head-to-head used as a as a demarcator in the Premier League? Or do they just go straight to the drawing of lots? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I really don't oh, know. No, I think what there's a playoff. The, there's a playoff. Is there a playoff? Yeah. If, if it's to win the league, there'd be a playoff. Yeah, absolutely. But it, wow. presumably the two sides will separate. I, I, I hesitant to mention this because obviously we're a relentlessly pro-Manchester United affair over here. But um, I think if you look at the XG of the relative of the two sides, you might say that City are likely to uh, finish the league. Uh, on top if the performances were to trend in the same way. Nerds. <laughs> um, that's one, Tom, if you're counting. Oh, um, oh, 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 do we have an F-bomb counter now? We're turning <laughs> to the day-to-day, haven't we? Uh, the, um, the Everton game then, uh, I mean, great first half or, or like very good first half with frustrating bits. Um, Mkhitaryan has this tendency when he's like running on the ball to just hit one of his touches, sometimes first, sometimes second, out of his feet and then end the chance. But, you know, he's he's playing at a very, very high level so far this season. I've seen people very critical of his overall performances and saying the numbers are kind of masking some deficiencies. And you could argue that, but you could also argue that, no, he's just a kind of a player, he's, he's just a like fancy nanny, right? <laughs> like he's just a really good player who does stuff that goes wrong sometimes. Well, I, I, you're going to have to take that back because uh, yeah, he's going to have to go some McTarian to meet nanny's numbers over a sort of mm. two or three year mm. period. Um, mm. But yeah, well, well he's it's got true. a few goals now this season, hasn't he, McTarian? I can't, I can't remember exactly. Couple, of... one goal and a million assists. Yeah. I think the official figures so far. All right. Yeah, he's doing all right. I, I think there's some inconsistency in his performances. We'd like to see more of the good stuff and less of the bad stuff. I, think. I mean, and uh, yeah. he, he wasn't. He scored a goal today, but he wasn't great. No, no, but that's the whole point. Like that's the whole point. This is Mkhitaryan, isn't it? He's he's gonna give the ball away sometimes, but then he's probably gonna score or assist a goal almost all the time when he's playing. You know, when he's in decent form and played in. Yeah. But playing in the centre of midfield today, well, you know, in sort of number 10 role. He has done all And he's season. just a, li- he's a little bit bursty. He's, he's not a classic number 10, is he? He doesn't dictate the play from there. And matter on the right struggling to get in the game. I, I did wonder whether just swapping that around a little bit uh, at times would have would have changed things. But um, no, clearly not one that Mourinho likes. He clearly likes Mkhitaryan through the centre because of that sort of speed of playing, especially on the break. Yeah, and, and I guess the numbers 
are backing him up, aren't they? I mean, I'd like to see the underlying numbers, but the the, the headline figures are looking pretty good for Mkhitaryan. Um, sure. Uh, so the the uh, few other things. So after the Basel game, Mourinho very very critical of his players, saying that I think it was after it went two nil. Um, yeah, it was between the two nil and three nil that United just switched off, and he said they were trying PlayStation tricks. It was very critical. A very interesting thing. They cut back to the studio on BT Sport, and Frank Lampard, who uh, whatever you think of him as a human or a pundit would certainly have some insight into these things, said he won, He thought that was probably just for show. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting because he looked like he kind of brushed it off instantly, um, Lampard did, as if, yeah, that doesn't mean anything. And and I just thought that was really interesting. Kind of wonder if Mourinho's going back in the dressing room just going, look, this is, this is just how I'm dealing with the kind of public image stuff. None of you lot worry about anything I'm saying. Uh, it's kind of interesting to me that. Hmm. Well, uh, Lampard would certainly know Mourinho well. Uh, and Gerard and Lampard together on BT Sport punditing to great hilarity. <laughs> one, one speaks, one stops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. None of them particularly effective. Um, yeah, I mean... No, they're, they're both good. Like, Stephen Gerrard's a good pundit. But it's a weird thing to say, but it's true. Not having it. Not having it. <laughs> give, give me Roy Keane and Paul Scholes any day. <laughs> Um, uh, so the um, the other thing that Mourinho did was uh, in the crowd in the the program notes for the Everton game was like uh, he said I hope our noisy fans are back from their holidays yeah ouch that's a dig that is actually Old Trafford was bouncing in the early part of today's game um, perhaps went a bit flat in the second half along with the team um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We've we've had that a few times from managers over the years. Uh, I'm afraid Old Trafford is what it is. There have been attempts to liven it up, but um, it is a giant bowl with uh, a lot of day trippers. And yeah, I think we talked about this on the podcast last time. Terrible acoustics. I think someone tweeted me during the Basel game, going, "Is this the acoustics too?" It's like, no, that, that was not the acoustics. That was. Um, talking of uh, spectacular European atmospheres. Uh, did you enjoy uh, FC Cologne or Cologne uh, fans invading the Emirates? I thought it was quite amusing. Uh, and, and even more amusing was the disgust of John Cross, um, or UKIP's John Cross, as we ought to really be calling him, um, from the Mirror, uh, rabid Arsenal fan and uh, hater of them foreigners. John Cross absolutely who's in the run of himself in the aftermath of that game and lots and lots of people, including Andy Mitten, um, writing uh, very much the opposite story that, like, yeah, this was almost entirely fine with a couple of little exceptions. I, I didn't... You asked the question, did I enjoy it? I didn't enjoy it because I am 100% boycotting the Europa League this season. There, I am not watching any of that. I had to watch the whole thing last season. Um, the Europa League is dead to me. <laughs> Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair, it clearly has a mental scar on you, that one. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I I, uh, I did like Arsenal fans getting all upset about it. Uh, I, I mean, of course, look, um, United have done that to plenty of teams over the years and just invaded. I've been at a few of them. Uh, and it's and it's good fun. And I thought Cologne fans were very good-natured, you know. Um, a few scuffles here and there, a few... Uh, supporters saying they felt intimidated, um, but uh, that didn't really seem to be the intent. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe the fingers, if there are fingers to be pointed, need to be looked at Arsenal, who allowed um, members to buy four tickets each and they were promptly all sold through taps. Yeah, to Cologne fans, almost every last yeah. one of them. Um, and fingers also need to be pointed at Arsenal for ending up in the Europa League. What kind of self-respecting club does that? <laughs> Definitely not if you've got any self-respect. Um, but <laughs> uh, we don't have to do that anymore because we've got our self-respect back or something like that. Just smashing everyone 4-0. 4-0, the standard default result. The absolutely fair and just result of the football match we've all just watched. Inevitable 4-0. I had 4-0 written all over it from start to finish. Uh, yeah, not quite. <laughs> but then there's been a few games like that this season. Uh, you know, I'd m- much rather United were just running up 4-0 at half-time and then, then taking the foot off the gas. They <laughs> ran up 1-0 at half-time, then took the foot off the gas uh, and flew three <laughs> goals like, oh, in the last three minutes. <laughs> it's not 4-0 yet. We'd better do something about this. I mean, the, it can't... It's You know, it's too regular to be coincidental. United have got so many attacking threats now... It is not surprising that once the opposition, you know, especially once it goes to 2-0 and the opposition feel beaten, it's not surprising. They're going to drop their intensity a little bit and and you need to keep up your intensity to keep United out yeah. most of the time. Even the Stoke game, which last season, you know, we're kind of jokingly keeping a running tally of uh, the amount of points that United are ahead of where they were last season's respective fixtures. Um, I think it's four from a possible six ahead of where they were so far. And the Stoke game obviously was one or um, was the same number of points won, but even then, the fact that we scored two and went ahead twice—I mean, it's, it's annoying that I, I can't remember if we went ahead the first time, but we definitely went two-one up. Um, that's quite a lot different to a game where we just laboured and laboured and laboured and eventually scored a worldie free kick in the last minute. You know, um, so even that, the individual errors aside, was an improvement of performance. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, and uh, today's. Um, result, uh, perhaps less than the performance, will just add to the confidence again. So, um, you know, we, we said at the beginning of the season, actually, it looked like a pretty good fixture list for a few weeks and United really needed mm-hmm. to take advantage. And and so far, you know, one one set of drop points aside, you know, full, fully uh, fully taking advantage of the fixture, you know, fixtures. And perhaps we would have seen this one at the beginning of the season as potentially being a tough match. I mean, Everton spent £150 million in the summer, um, albeit they now no longer have a forward of any quality, um, which is going to cost them a little bit. And they're integrating 10 new players into the squad. But, you know, I think everyone expected them to be a bit better than they are. Um, so uh, they're, they're in the bottom three now uh, because of yeah. The will will Koeman uh, survive? I mean, um, his fellow Dutchman uh, Ronald de Boer over at Crystal Palace got four games. I mean, I, I, if if you don't mind, I would quite like to talk about that for a minute. Um, so, sure. Uh, mostly just because of Timothy Fontsumensa, who I'm very pleased to see that Roy Hodgson picked in his first game in charge. That's good. Good. Good job that 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 isn't going to cause any problems. Apparently, it wouldn't seem. Um, as everyone has said, this is one of two things, an absolutely terrible sacking or an absolutely terrible appointment. And I very strongly lead towards the former, not that Frank de Boer is not uh, potentially a good manager if you want to play that kind of style of football, but the the kind of sheer, the negligence of uh, giving 
Al- Sam Allardyce's squad to Frank de Boer. The negligence of having a shortlist that comes down to Roy Hodgson and Frank de Boer, it's just shocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... I mean, I've talked about this before, you know, because we've seen this at United. Where is yeah. the pattern there, right? So where's the vision from the top that says, OK, we want to build a club that looks like this uh, with an identity that is this and playing a style of football like this and within this set of coaching, you know, frameworks. Um, it, this is clearly a badly run club if, you know, you point Allardyce and then you point Frank De Boer and then you point Roy Hodgson, Hodgson, just no commonality at all. So whatever money they spent in the summer, totally wasted because it was uh, bought to build a squad for Frank De Boer. Well, and-, and now Hodgson's going to have to change it all around and presumably spend a bunch of money in the winter to try and save Palace, you know? But they, they hardly spent any money either. This is the other shocking thing. The, uh, like, um, I can't remember which podcast it was that I was listening. It was the Squawker Talker. Um, the... the, the they the only player they signed permanently, I'm pretty sure, was Mamadou Saku, a player who was banging the Allardyce mould. <laughs> like it's just crazy. Um it's just it was just what a shocking way to run a club. Uh and and in a way, I think the sacking seems absolutely out of its mind. But I really think the flip side of that is more like it's correcting the appointment was out of its mind and this is correcting a, a mistake quickly because you know De, De Boer deserves better and he's in he's kind of in trouble really reputation yeah well wise, he got but... sacked twice very quickly yeah uh, John Cross uh, UKIP's John John Cross <laughs> uh, tweeting after that um, you know De Boer got sacked after X many games at Inter and four games at Crystal Palace uh, but he must be good because he's Dutch in it that's like. People are so... But this is John Cross who gets annoyed when managers play a back three because football journalists might ask the manager about tactics in the press conference. Like, he's a silly, silly, silly man. Um, John Cross is every London cabbie you've ever met. Well, no, except he's every, like, North London cabbie you've ever met because all the West London cabbies are Chelsea fans, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, that's... that's, It was odd. Um, uh, A couple of other things that were interesting uh, since uh, since we last spoke. Uh, Did we speak about Jose Mourinho being in goal for the match for Grenfell? I think we... Yes, we did. did. All right. Um, uh, The other one was the change in the Premier League um, transfer window rules because we yeah. talked about this before and saying you know this is this would be a sensible thing but of course the Premier League doing it first has got everyone all hot and bothered uh, United wanted four clubs to vote against it although Mourinho said it won't make any difference um, mm. uh, you know the the big question now is is do Bundesliga La Liga and League uh, clubs go yeah this is actually you know it's destabilizing to to have all these rumours and transfers in the the uh, middle of the season or part way through the season, or do they go? Well, this is our advantage now. You know, we have got a bit longer to do our business. I mean, yeah, that's, this is the thing. It's it's like um, uh, Alexis Sanchez, Philippe Coutinho, all these players that were like looking potentially. Well, I guess Alexis Sanchez was supposed to probably move within the Premier League, but the the any players that want to move abroad, that that option's still open. Of course, the leagues don't start at the same time. So if, say, La Liga says, OK, we're going to do it too, they still start a few weeks later than the Premier League, generally, I believe. Um, so it's going to... It's a slightly odd thing that it's happened first. I mean, I, I do think, in a way, 
It's got to be good for Premier League clubs in the sense of they will go into the season. It will definitely make the first sort of three games in the season a bit more meaningful, won't it? Because so far there's, they've often been a sort of almost like a, a prologue to the league. The, the kind of games before the window closes in the first international break are kind of a prologue for the actual chapters of the season. But I guess they'll be uh, they'll be starting. What do you think? Do you think it's a think it's a, a a bit of a self-sabotaging move by the Premier League? No, I mean, look, in the end, if they don't want to sell players, they don't have to, and and uh, players will just yeah. get on with it. So I, I don't think it will be as negative as some people have tried to make out and uh, hopefully actually just has this stabilising effect where everyone can just focus on the football rather than who's getting transferred yeah. in and out. Um, because at the moment it does have an impact, you know. Alexis Sanchez is not particularly fit. Coutinho only just come back into the side, definitely impacting both of those two teams. Diego Costa, uh, d- you know, he's going to spend the next six months doing nothing, I guess, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I particularly enjoy watching those three this season. Um, but it could happen to United as well, you know, the the whole run-up to the David De Gea transfer to Real Madrid a couple of seasons ago, Louis van Gaal decided to drop him. Um, and he said his mind wasn't in you know the right place, and uh, Romelu uh, Romelu Lukaku, not Romelu Lukaku, Sergio Romero let a couple in through his legs against Swansea. You know those two points really did count at the end of that season as well. Yeah, they did. They 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 earned us the Europa League title. So cheers, Louis. Good forward thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Excellent pattern. <laughs> Talking to Louis, Louis um, complaining this week or last week, I guess. Um, yeah, first time he's really spoken out, saying, "Yeah, United went behind his back to sack him," and uh, which, of course, we all knew. Um, it was pretty brutal how the club behaved. Clearly, negotiating with Mourinho um, uh, while uh, while holding on to Louis in order to try and um, you know do the Mourinho deal, and then as soon as the season was over, booting him out almost before he'd left Wembley. While he was on the way up the stairs to collect the trophy, that's when the tweet started. I was at Wembley watching him climb those stairs and seeing people going, oh, he's been sacked. It was like, oh, this is very happy and sad all at the same time. I mean, he's not wrong, is he? The only thing is he doesn't seem to realise quite how much of it he brought on himself either. That's that's the only No, right, right. You know. I thought it was a bit dramatic, you know, likening it to a lynching in a movie or something like that. Yeah, but he's a dramatic man, isn't he, Larry? He is. He is. He's, you know, he loves he loves a bit of drama. Um, all right, should we uh, should we take some rank questions? I think the people have missed us. There's a lot of questions, Ed. So thanks to everyone who's asked questions. And sorry, if we, we very can't... good. Hopefully, we can give some decent answers other than. The, yeah, no, that's not the incoherent rambling nonsense that we've just provided for the last 30 minutes. <laughs> At Lentorp, Kale Duper says, oh, that's a Spoonerism for Dale Cooper. I get references. Uh, is Tony Martial the single greatest penalty taker in the history of football? Yes. Yeah. Tony Martial is the single greatest everything in the history of football. I'm so... And you don't think he's ever missed a penalty? <laughs> How many has he taken? Six or seven over his career. Right, okay, like then, yeah. Um, a friend of the show at Vikash Patel, who came to the meetup in London, says, is this the year Big Day finally wins the Golden Glove Award he so badly deserves? It <laughs> could be. I mean, we are going to keep a lot of clean sheets this season, I guess. It seems like we have kept a lot of clean sheets so far this season. We have done, yeah. Um, I mean, if uh, if it's only if Jones and Baye's mistakes are isolated to <laughs> yeah. single games, Did you know, you on a wet Tuesday night at Stoke or whatever. Baye, Baye trying to do a clearance. 
like some outrageous clearance for the outside of his foot and then sort of like spilling around towards the end of the Everton game. It was it was really good. I love Eric Bai. There was the bit where I think it was Rooney that he fouled. It was one of the most deserved yellow cards you've ever seen because Bai kind of came herring out. This was at 1-0 and, he's, and Rooney's sort of retreating with the ball back into his half and Bai's like, right, I am really out of position here and he's very capable of switching this play and exploiting the situation. So I'm just just going to kick him right now because it's all I can do. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's always good value, Eric. Bye. Um, the uh, other thing is um, that we missed talking about in terms of general world of football is all the people, all the people saying that Saido Mane's um, kicking Edison in the face wasn't a red card. He took the guy's head off. I mean, yeah, just just for the sake of player these, safety. It's, I, I know, I know. Going... it's a genuine attempt for the ball yeah. and his face. Let's you know? <laughs> just. Oh dear! If you don't think that that was a red card, then first, then a you just don't understand the rules. It's really simple. It's really straightforward. That is absolutely without any shadow of a doubt a red card offence given the current interpretation of the laws of the games if you don't think it should be a red card and that the rules should change then i mean good luck to you (laughs) go and watch rollerball instead where somebody can take someone's head off freely anyway uh and rollerball not a real sport but there is a movie there's two there's the original and the Mm. remake knock yourself out um (laughs) A uh, friend of mine, if not friend of the show, let's see, he's, up, he's friend of the show, at Dom Nozick says, uh, given that the new signings have had time to settle in, can we assess the squad a bit more fairly now? Uh, and we can uh, we can assess the squad a bit more fairly now. So subsequently, who is the best looking? Uh, there's some there's some lookers in United side, I'd is say. There? I'm going to... Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, Lukaku, Martial, little mm. Juan Mata with his little Q- you know, QC, little QC, face yeah, taking yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I think Juan Mata's um, the kind of I, kind I'm, of I'm bloke who's not... every girl's best friend, though, isn't he? Yeah, the best look is Phil Jones. Uh, we'll move on from that one. At a Gaskell, a Gaskell eighty eight says, "How many ankles is Tony Martial going to break this season? Just all of them." Don't be a defender with ankles near Tony Martial. Mm. Phil the, Jones, just to come back to your previous answer, a man with yeah. a permanent O face. Just got too much skin on his face. That's all it is. It's really simple. At the underscore H1980 says, have salt and vinegar Pringles got stronger recently or has my tolerance dropped? I haven't had a salt and vinegar Pringle for a long time, but I'm going to say you're getting old, Chris. I have no idea. Um, uh, at Kriakad... I had a question on your thoughts on Rooney's performance, hashtag agenda, hashtag rankcast, but we've already covered that. We have. You did you did not disappoint. Okay, uh we've we've kind of done this one before, but we'll just do it very briefly. At Oye Creations, another friend of the show, been listening for a long time as Oye, says, uh, can you please explain what XG means? Looks like match of the day are following your lead in using XG. Well, I, I, I don't season. think we can uh, take any credit for that. We're, we're not leading anything no. on that. Yeah, XG is just a mathematical calculation of the expected number of goals the team or a player may score based on the number of shots they take and where they take them from. Yeah, and, and the difficulty of said shots. Yeah, exactly. And it's not an exact science by any stretch of the imagination because 
like stuff like most through balls are created equally, uh, are treated equally, crosses are treated equally. I'm not sure how much goalkeeper's positioning is taken into account. So it's not an exact science, but I definitely do think... Um, I've never looked at an XG map once and thought it didn't somewhat accurately reflect the balance of a game, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a debating point. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that's all stats in sport. Um, in, in football in particular, it's so dynamic, it's more difficult. That's why it's taken a long time and a long, lot of evolution in, in analytical thinking and and the technologies for uh, tracking and measuring this have been improving um, over time. So, you know, uh, baseball's obviously been a nerd's paradise for many years. Stats, um, stats nerds are getting into football much more and some clubs have been very forward about opening up their data and, and you know, using sort of data science competitions in order to further the um, further what's going on. Manchester City in particular um, have been doing that. But, um, you know, I, I think HD is a nice guide. Yeah. I mean, we've, you know, there are people that kind of rail against any use of statistics in football, the kind of, um, you know, people that, that for whom it lessens their enjoyment. I, I've always felt a little bit like, just ignore it, it's fine. Like, for some people it's interesting but there are also people who come at xg from the other side which is the kind of that it is not scientific enough that it's kind of too rough a model to be used in a serious way so that's that's it the the great xg debate will rumble on and on but clearly for the moment it has crept into the mainstream but as ed said definitely nothing to do with us um at Abdullarg says, was that the most uh, underwhelming 4-0 performance ever? No, there's never an underwhelming 4-0 performance. But at Mark underscore Pud also says, was that our worst 4-0 win of the season so far? Well, I tell you what, it looked great on the Match of the Day highlights tonight. <laughs> uh, not, not so great over the full 90 minutes, but uh, I don't know whether it was the most underwhelming. But and, and it wasn't underwhelming, it was just not a great performance. It was a sort of 7 out of 10 performance. Yeah, That might be generous. But, you know, you score four goals, you can't complain. Um, at Raj Player, who I met outside Old Trafford uh, before the Leicester game, uh, said that Graham Sooner said he thinks opponents would rather face Pogba than Fellaini. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, he also said he voted for Brexit and is generally just a bitter, grumpy old man who doesn't like flair players, essentially. Or anybody. <laughs> yeah. Life itself. Yeah. Um, at Craig88, Taylor says, can we keep riding our luck like we did today? And I think that is a, a really interesting question because it sort of speaks to preconceptions in a way because you could very strongly argue that Everton massively, massively rode their luck to even be in that game at half-time. So, yet we definitely rode our luck between the 45th and 75th minutes of that game um, and we definitely don't want to be doing that too often. Um, but... You know, we did create lots and lots and lots of chances. And even though, I mean, funnily enough, talking about XG, I bet Everton's XG number is quite high in that game. But if you look at all of their really good chances, De Gea was very well positioned for all of them. Yeah, um, he was. And uh, he made a, a, a couple of good saves when he needed to, um, although none that you would have expected him not to um, not to make. Yeah. Uh, what, what about Valencia's shot? Uh, Peter Schmeichel on my particular version of the uh, the uh, football service I get, uh, saying absolutely no chance uh, that he could have saved it. Although it was directly in the middle of the goal. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it, I, I'm not, like, massively a fan of Peter Schmeichel as a pundit. But I mean, presumably he knows what he's talking 
talking about. He does, yeah. Goalkeepers Union, though, isn't it? Um, he, <laughs> cliche, he, he, yeah, yeah. I mean, Pickford's taking the step to the left, um, you know, clearly expecting a cross to come in rather than Valencia to absolutely leather it. Um, so that step to the left has probably cost him a chance of getting uh, his hand on the ball. That said, he's, he's hit it so hard and so clean. That's why he's beaten the, the keeper. So, you know, it would be harsh to say a mistake, although I do wonder whether an even better goalkeeper, like the one down the other end, might have done something with it. Oh, that was the most brutal thing about the Stoke game. Because De Gea made that save, which was... I mean, he's got it's got a lot of competition just from De Gea. Uh, but... It's got to be one of the best saves I've ever seen in my life. And then they scored from the corner that that resulted from the save. And that was really, really annoying because that save deserved better. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, great, great praise for that one. It'll be, I'm sure it'll be one of the ones we remember in years to come. Just uh, And that's David Hare all over, isn't it? The, the sort of reflexes, uh, positioning, uh, strength of hand and all of that. Um, loads and loads and loads of questions about Pogba, Fellaini and Herrera, but I feel like we've kind of covered covered this. Um, uh, well, there's a very controversial question here from Victor underscore Munoz underscore, who says he always wanted to know who creates player chance and who agrees to them. Falcao's was horrible, in my opinion. Falcao's chant is... I don't know, it's my favourite charm at Old Trafford in the last five years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and and generally it is um, uh, a group of different people. There, there are various different people and who agrees to them is just whether they catch on. They tend to start uh, at away games or they'll start in J-stand now. Um, and they used to just be printed in Red Issue back in the day. I actually read a question from a friend of the show, Mark Thompson, after we'd recorded the podcast last week about that too. So there you go, double duty for that. Um, <laughs> uh, at Afbokari1984 says last time it was late for the podcast but worth, men- worth mentioning again Jose going open collar but this time he undid the top two buttons that's how relaxed he is but he's still looking smart he still hasn't gone tracksuit and I think that's got to be a good sign yeah I mean last season he went wino didn't he I you know hadn't shaved for weeks and uh, started looking like he'd Got some, you know, uh, spare United trackies out of the local Oxfam. <laughs> um, we had a question which I've now lost um, about shirt sleeve sponsors. Wayne Rooney with a deeply ironic angry birds on his uh, uh, arm. Um, shirt sleeve sponsors is super depressing and super inevitable. And obviously United will have one. There was a rumour earlier that it was going to be Tinder, which uh, would have been... Uh, definitely swipe left on that one. Is it? Is it right? I'm not sure. I actually don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I literally don't know. But it's, we'll definitely swipe whichever is the the one where you don't like the thing. Yeah. Um, it's a slippery slope, isn't it? You know, they're going to be looking like F1 drivers in a few years' time. Everything everywhere, plastered. Yeah. Um, in Finland, in the Finnish league, they do that now. Uh, and it looks absolutely terrible. I remember watching, also, they do it in Norway too, because I remember watching Mulder when uh, Ole was flying with them. Um, and, uh, yeah, they had an awful lot of uh, shirt sponsors on their shirts. All right, well, that's a ton of questions. We've got a ton more. I'm sorry we can't get to all of them, but uh, we have to finish this show at a relatively okay hour. Um 
And we've got to do some sort of preview of uh, United's upcoming fixtures. Ed, tell me everything you know about Burton Albion, who we play on Wednesday in the Carabao Cup. Oh, just, I mean, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not calling it that. I just refuse. It's the Milk Cup or the League Cup and neither... No, nothing else. I went to the uh, National Football Museum over the summer and they've got the Milk Cup on display and it was one heck of a trophy, the Milk Cup was. They were not messing around. (laughs) They really wanted to advertise milk. Uh, Burton, yeah, just delaying here because I don't really know anything about them. Nigel Clough is still the manager, I do know that. Back back for his second or third spell in charge, whatever it is, can't remember. Um, He's done a great job with that club, like a kind of somewhat miraculous job, really. yeah. Um, didn't didn't they get relegated last season, or did they make it? Did they survive? Can't remember. They were... Well, they're in the they're oh, okay. in the championship right. this they, season. They survived. So they... they were right down the bottom. Yeah, maybe they were... <laughs> unless I'm really confused and they got relegated from the Premier League. But that no, I'm almost 100 percent sure that didn't happen. Yeah, no, no, pretty sure that didn't happen. No, okay, I, they were they finished a, a spot off relegation. Yeah, I mean, yes, he's done a you know he's, this was a non-league club not too long ago, wasn't it? So. Um, yeah, 2009 when they got into the Football League and, and um, uh, Nigel Clough's been a huge part of that. Left to manage Forest for a while, Derby, 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 where he sort of failed and came back. Um, so, uh, yeah, capacity at that ground is sort of 6,000. This is this is a team that ought not to be in the Championship, let alone um, let alone playing at Old Trafford. So they'll uh, they'll have a good day in the league cup and all of that. Uh, I'm interested to see who they've got. They've got QPR away. So I'm not sure that they're going to like cuz I think it was Mick McCarthy that came and played a second string with Ipswich uh last season. No, the season before last. I, I don't think we're going to see a second string team from Burton because they just beat Fulham, which is by far their best result of the season so far. Fulham, you know, one of the championship's most sort of elegant sides. Um, and Burton beat them 2-1, which was, I think, only their second win of the season so far. Uh, a pretty a pretty eye-catching result. That their, their previous win was over Harry Redknapp's Birmingham City, who are no longer Harry Redknapp's Birmingham City because Harry Redknapp's been sacked from Birmingham City, which could not have happened to a nicer man. <laughs> Ouch. Um, yeah, I wonder if Harry Redknapp uh, got paid last year. He probably did get paid last season for keeping them in the division. He said he wouldn't get paid if they got relegated. So I'm guessing yeah. he got his uh, his bonus. Um, yeah. Um, uh, bye bye, Harry. Um, Burton. Um, I, I, I don't know a lot about them. Sorry about this. They've got some experience, uh, Premier League experience anyway. Stephen Bywater, the goalkeeper. Stephen Warnock, the ex Liverpool defender. Uh, Luke Varney's also played in the Premier League. Who for? Uh. <laughs> that was like, that was mean. There was no need. There was no need for me to do that, Ed. I apologise. Uh, he was at Blackburn a few years back. Right, right. That doesn't really count as Premier League. Though. Nobody in their squad has scored more than one league goal this season. There's a good fact for you. So they clearly share the goals around. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, even the keeper. Yeah. Um, okay. So something we do know more about: uh, what kind of team are United going to play? I mean, I, I presume that Mourinho is going to rotate really heavily. I mean, the big question is: as does far anyone? As he can. Yeah. Does anyone outside of the regular first team squad get game? So are we going to see some of the players that played in the game against Palace at home? At the end of last season, obviously, uh, we're not going to see Josh Harrop since he's at Preston North End now. But uh, uh, 
Demi Mitchell has not gone on loan, has he? As far as I know, um, no, he didn't. He didn't. He's in the reserves, um, and uh, it's spectacular a game for the under 18s the other night. Did you see that one where they came back from three 0 down to win four three against Arsenal? Yeah, Angel Gomez was. I wonder whether he'll he'll uh, he he could be on the fringe of the League Cup squad. He could be. I mean, if if Mourinho is going to do it, this has got to be the game he does it in, hasn't it? Hasn't it? Because. Chances mm-hmm. are the next one's going to be more tricky. I mean, I guess, you know, a championship side, you would think maybe you've got to play a few more first-teamers in, but Burton really are barely a championship side, aren't they? They're like, you know, they're something like fifth or sixth bottom in the championship now, and they finished just above relegation last time, like you said. So kind of that kind of hinterland between a championship club and a League One club. Um, I, I wonder whether Scott McTominay, who is training with the first yep. team, as far as we know. Um, yeah, and James Wilson, is he back fit? I think he is back fit, uh, apparently. He's in the Champions League uh, squad, but we've all yeah. clicked that button on Championship Manager that says autofill, and it gives a Championship squad place to someone you've literally never heard of because you needed a, you needed a homegrown player to fill out the numbers. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, of, of the players who are currently in the reserves who, who would be in with a shout of getting a game in this one. Obviously, Wilson, Mitchell, McTominay, you've said. Um, maybe uh, Matt Olasunde, who's who's done really well for the reserves. Joe Riley's obviously played first-team football before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rest of them are super, super young, I'd say. But, you know, you never know. Uh, some of the younger players might get a go. I mean, Angel Gomez got to be within a shout as well. I mean, he's already made his United debut. Could he, could he get a game? Uh, yeah, did Matty Willock stay at the club as well? I don't think no, so. Uh, I think he he went off to um, Utrecht. Yeah, that's right. In yeah, Holland, yeah, yeah. didn't right. he? Yeah, yeah. Which is probably good mid for him. You know, a full year, learn learn uh, learn the way of the world and all that. They they used to send players off to Antwerp years ago. If you remember, John O'Shea spent a year there, and so did Darren Fletcher. Not Darren Fletcher. Um, um, oh, Johnny Evans, the world's fifth best central defender. I think that's just about accurate. Um, the the thing about it is you're right it is good for him but the I, Matty Willock is a player I desperately want to see make at least one appearance for United just because he got so close at the back end of last season oh Axel Twanzebe there is a player that we should see in this game uh, talking of players who were involved at the back end of last season um, that I'd be I'd almost be surprised if Twanzebe didn't play in this one. Um, none of the others I'd be particularly surprised if they were or weren't involved but he he's one that I I think you No, I mean there's a few players who need games so uh, Smalling <laughs> could do some Boo! games Carrick Sorry, has, just... has Carrick had a game this season? No, maybe, I don't maybe think so some time uh, Tunesabi as you said uh, Romero hasn't He'll played He'll definitely play obviously Yeah yeah, and Herrera not had a lot of football. So, you know, there are players who need some minutes. I mean, wonder, I mean it, it could be like a really good run out for Herrera and then we could see him perhaps be involved against Southampton at the weekend. So, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speculate a team. Romero, uh, Daly Blint, because he didn't play today. He wasn't even on the bench, I don't think. Um, Twanzebe, Smalling. That sounds terrible, but it's possible. Um... Darmian, there you go, and then in oh, and he gains Victor Lindelof needs oh, yeah. the football as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Victor Lindelof. So Twanzebe is going to play, but he's going to play right back. Lindelof and Smalling. Uh, that that there you go. So Blint, Smalling, Lindelof, Twanzebe is the back four. Um, 
Carrick and Herrera in the middle. Uh, he always plays like one first teamer in these things. Who's it going to be? Well, Martial yeah. could do, yeah. do with the game too. Martial. Yeah. He might play Lukaku actually. That might be the one that, that he might just keep playing Lukaku. Martial, Lukaku. Uh, we haven't really got who have we got that could play in those attacking spots that isn't a regular. You know, what I'd like to see. I'd like to see him play Martial and Rashford, um, just because he might feel confident that he can try it in this game. And I feel like that is a combination that we would like to see. Anyway, some something like that. Something like that. Yeah, only got ten players in that side, but well Quite done. Matter. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's another. He's another footballer. Um, and then after that, Southampton, and I think the team will be much the same as it was today. Uh, it would be interesting to see what he does with Herrera and Fellaini over the long term of Pogba's injury, if there is indeed a long term of Pogba's injury, which we very much hope there won't be. Southampton, uh, they won at the weekend against Crystal Palace, but um, they've had a deeply, deeply average start to the season. Um, that's only their second win, their other one being a kind of 3-2 against West Ham where they nearly chucked it, um, thanks to uh, Cheech doing some things with goals on that. Um, but they lost to Wolves in the League Cup. Obviously, they weren't really trying, but still. Draw to Huddersfield, lost at home to Watford. And Crystal Palace have been in such terrible form, you can't really read too much into that win. So... I mean, I'm reluctant to say all this because what it kind of feels like it's just leading to them having got it all together to face United. But really and truly, this you know, he should play a very attacking team and go and try and win this game, I think. Yeah, I mean, they've had uh, all sorts of problems with you know, Southampton. Obviously, a lot of departures um, uh, over recent seasons, change of manager, Virgil van Dijk, desperate to leave, finally made the bench against... Palace, um, don't think he came on. Maybe he came on really late, something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, not, not the team of two years ago. I, I don't think they're going to end up in sort of relegation trouble or anything like that. They do have plenty of quality in that, that team, um, but they're sort of building again. This is probably not a team that's going to finish sort of, what was it, eighth they finished a couple of seasons ago, something like that. Um you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot, lot of talk of Southampton being one of the clubs that is well run with a structure and uh, a pattern of appointing managers. And they sort of t- took a step back under Claude Puel, didn't they? Uh, they did, but they, the Jesse Lingard, by the way, that's the 11th player in the team that I picked earlier. Um, they did take a step back under Claude Puel, but in a way it was like it's inevitable that that step back was coming because prior to that they'd finished. Like, since they were in League Two, they'd finished in a higher league position every season since. So, like, every season back in the Premier League, they finished higher than they had done the season before. And they really did reach their ceiling when they finished eighth. You can't imagine them really breaking into the top seven, given that however well run you are, if you lose your best players every summer, or even if you lose your best players every other summer... You're still going, and whenever you have a manager who does really well, they get picked off by one of the bigger teams. There's, that right. it's almost like what happened to Swansea, isn't it? Everyone was kind of praising Swansea for being so well run, but they almost kind of ran out of managers that could apply that style of play, um, and and it feels a little bit like that with Southampton. Although obviously we don't know how well Pellegrino mm. will do. Yeah, and even wrapping your head around the fact that their manager is Mauricio Pellegrino, not Manuel Pellegrini. <laughs> <laughs> or Mauricio Pochettino. <laughs> I mean, mind-blowing. It's tough. No doubt. No doubt. It is tough. 
Especially for Paul Merson. <laughs> or John Cross. <laughs> or Nigel Farage. Um, that's enough cultural Marxism for one episode. Right. Um, I think that'll do, won't Snowflake. it? Snowflake. I, I think that might be enough podcast for one episode. What do you reckon? Wow. I think it might be. Uh, somehow we've managed to babble on for an hour about almost nothing. Talking of shows about almost nothing, mm-hmm. uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm coming back very soon. I've been uh, watching some old Curb to get ready for it. The episode where they get the Chinese food orders mixed up oh, and the man. guy steals his shrimp. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing, Curb Your Enthusiasm is. Uh, yes. Uh, my favourite, maybe, my beloved aunt. I would have thought you'd have been a step counts man myself. Eh? Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back same time next week. Back as stay tuned for more Rankcast. Um, everyone else, have a lovely week. I guess we have to predict the scores. Uh, seven nil against Burton <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, four nil against Southampton. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely going to happen. You know, I'm going to just say four nil against Burton because. Okay. Yeah, and Southampton yeah, away at Southampton. Ah, I'm not going to win four nil there. I'm going to go for a two-one victory. It's Manchester United. Winning 4-0 is what we do. Yeah, just just not against Southampton. No, perhaps not. All right, let's hope we do, though. And uh, either way, we'll be back after that game to talk about the podcast. We're back to talk about the football. We're back on the same time zone, so uh, it should be doable. We, we tried our best to keep it going while Ed was on the West Coast, and uh, we f- it finally defeated us in the final week of that trip. Uh, lovely to have you back in the country, Ed, um, and uh, we'll be back to talk about all this football uh, same time next week. See you then. I'm off to find a sunbed because I've had about 35 days of constant sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> See you. Bye now. Very, 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 very long. The Rankcast is produced by Tom Jenkins and supported by listeners like you. Head to patreon.com slash rankcast to find out more.